part two of silly verses selections from shores carol lear and gilbert this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain silly verses selections from shores carol lear and gilbert by various part two lewis carroll father william the hunting of the snark jabberwocky ways and means humpty dumpty's recitation some hallucinations the walrus and the carpenter father william you are old father william the young man said and your hair has become very white and yet you incessantly stand on your head do you think at your age it is right in my youth father william replied to his son i feared it might injure the brain but now that i'm perfectly sure i have none why i do it again and again you are old said the youth as i mentioned before and have grown most uncommonly fat yet you turned a back somersault in at the door pray what is the reason of that in my youth said the sage as he shook his gray locks i kept all my limbs very supple by the use of this ointment one shilling the box allow me to sell you a couple you are old said the youth and your jaws are too weak for anything tougher than suet yet you finish the goose with the bones and the beak pray how did you manage to do it in my youth said his father i took to the law and argued each case with my wife and the muscular strength which it gave to my jaw has lasted the rest of my life you are old said the youth one would hardly suppose that your eye was as steady as ever yet you balanced an eel on the end of your nose what made you so awfully clever i have answered three questions and that is enough said his father don't give yourself airs do you think i can listen all day to such stuff be off or i'll kick you downstairs the hunting of the snark come listen my men while i tell you again the five unmistakable marks by which you may know wheresoever you go the warranted genuine snarks let us take them in order the first is the taste which is meagre and hollow but crisp like a coat that is rather too tight in the waist with a flavour of uh, will-of-the-wisp its habit of getting up late you'll agree that it carries too far when i say that it frequently breakfasts at five o'clock tea and dines on the following day the fourth is its fondness for bathing machines which it constantly carries about and believes that they add to the beauty of scenes a sentiment open to doubt the fifth is ambition it next will be right to describe each particular batch distinguishing those that have feathers and bite from those that have whiskers and scratch for although common snarks do no manner of harm yet i feel it my duty to say some are boojums the bellman broke off in alarm for the baker had fainted away they rouse him with muffins they rouse him with ice they rouse him with mustard and cress they rouse him with jam and judicious advice they set him conundrums to guess when at length he sat up and was able to speak his sad story he offered to tell and the bellman cried silence not even a shriek and excitedly tingled his bell 
there was silence supreme not a shriek not a scream scarcely even a howl or a groan as the man they called ho told his story of woe in an antediluvian tone my father and mother were honest though poor skip all that cried the bellman in haste if it once becomes dark there's no chance of a snark we have hardly a minute to waste i skip forty years said the baker in tears and proceed without further remark to the day when you took me aboard of your ship to help you in hunting the snark a dear uncle of mine after whom i was named remarked when i bade him farewell oh skip your dear uncle the bellman exclaimed as he angrily tingled his bell he remarked to me then said the mildest of men if your snark be a snark that is right fetch it home by all means you may serve it with greens and it's handy for striking a light you may seek it with thimbles and seek it with care you may hunt it with forks and hope you may threaten its life with a railway share you may charm it with smiles and soap but o oh, beamish nephew beware of the day if your snark be a boojum for then you will softly and suddenly vanish away and never be met with again it is this it is this that oppresses my soul when i think of my uncle's last words and my heart is like nothing so much as a bowl brimming over with quivering curds i engage with the snark every night after dark in a dreamy delirious fight i serve it with greens in those shadowy scenes and i use it for striking a light but if ever i meet with a boojum that day in a moment of this i am sure i shall softly and suddenly vanish away and the notion i cannot endure jabberwocky twas brillig and the slivy toes did gyre and gimble in the wabe all mimsy were the borogroves and the mome rats outgrabe beware the jabberwock my son the jaws that bite the claws that catch beware the juju bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch he took his vorpal sword in hand long time the manzok bow he sought so rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood awhile in thought and as in uffish thought he stood the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tulgy wood and burbled as it came one two one two and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack he left it dead and with its head he went galumphing back and hast thou slain the jabberwock come to my arms my beamish boy o frabjous day calloo callay he chortled in his joy twas brillig and the slivy toes did gyre and gimble in the wabe all mimsy were the borogroves and the momraths outgrabe ways and means i'll tell thee everything i can there's little to relate i saw an aged aged man a-sitting on a gate who are you aged man i said and how is it you live his answer trickled through my head like water through a sieve he said i look for butterflies that sleep among the wheat i make them into mutton pies and sell them in the street i sell them unto men he said who sail on stormy seas 
and that's the way i get my bread a trifle if you please but i was thinking of a plan to dye one's whiskers green and always use so large a fan that they could not be seen so having no reply to give to what the old man said i cried come tell me how you live and thumped him on the head his accents mild took up the tale he said i go my ways and when i find a mountain rill i set it in a blaze and thence they make a stuff they call roland's macassar oil yet two pence halfpenny is all they give me for my toil but i was thinking of a way to feed myself on batter and so go on from day to day getting a little fatter i shook him well from side to side until his face was blue come tell me how you live i cried and what it is you do he said i hunt for haddock's eyes among the heather bright and work them into waistcoat buttons in the silent night and these i do not sell for gold or coin of silvery shine but for a copper halfpenny and that will purchase nine i sometimes dig for buttered rolls or set limed twigs for crabs i sometimes search the grassy knolls for wheels of handsome cabs and that's the way he gave a wink by which i get my wealth and very gladly will i drink your honour's noble health i heard him then for i had just completed my design to keep the minai bridge from rust by boiling it in wine i thanked him much for telling me the way he got his wealth but chiefly for his wish that he might drink my noble health and now if e'er by chance i put my fingers into glue or madly squeeze a right-hand foot into a left-hand shoe or if i drop upon my toe a very heavy weight i weep for it reminds me so of that old man i used to know whose look was mild whose speech was slow whose hair was whiter than the snow whose face was very like a crow with eyes like cinders all aglow who seemed distracted with his woe who rocked his body to and fro and muttered mumblingly and low as if his mouth were full of dough who snorted like a buffalo that summer evening long ago a sitting on a gate humpty dumpty's recitation in winter when the fields are white i sing this song for your delight in spring when woods are getting green i'll try and tell you what i mean in summer when the days are long perhaps you'll understand the song in autumn when the leaves are brown take pen and ink and write it down i sent a message to the fish i told them this is what i wish the little fishes of the sea they sent an answer back to me the little fishes answer was we cannot do it sir because i sent to them again to say it will be better to obey the fishes answered with a grin why what a temper you are in i told them once i told them twice they would not listen to advice i took a kettle large and new fit for the deed i had to do my heart went hop my heart went thump i filled the kettle at the pump then some one came to me and said the little fishes are in bed i said to them i said it plain then you must wake them up again i said it very loud and clear i went and shouted in his ear 
but he was very stiff and proud he said you needn't shout so loud and he was very proud and stiff he said i'll go and wake them if i took a corkscrew from the shelf i went to wake them up myself and when i found the door was locked i pulled and pushed and kicked and knocked and when i found the door was shut i tried to turn the handle but some hallucinations he thought he saw an elephant that practised on a fife he looked again and found it was a letter from his wife at length i realized he said the bitterness of life he thought he saw a buffalo upon the chimney-piece he looked again and found it was his sister's husband's niece unless you leave this house he said i'll send for the police he thought he saw a rattlesnake that questioned him in greek he looked again and found it was the middle of next week the one thing i regret he said is that it cannot speak he thought he saw a banker's clerk descending from the bus he looked again and found it was a hippopotamus if this should stay to dine he said there won't be much for us he thought he saw an albatross that fluttered round the lamp he looked again and found it was a penny postage stamp you'd best be getting home he said the nights are very damp he thought he saw a coach and four that stood beside his bed he looked again and found it was a bear without a head poor thing he said poor silly thing it's waiting to be fed he thought he saw a kangaroo that worked a coffee mill he looked again and found it was a vegetable pill were i to swallow this he said i should be very ill the walrus and the carpenter the sun was shining on the sea shining with all his might he did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright and this was odd because it was the middle of the night the moon was shining sulkily because she thought the sun had got no business to be there after the day was done it's very rude of him she said to come and spoil the fun the sea was wet as wet could be the sands were dry as dry you could not see a cloud because no cloud was in the sky no birds were flying overhead there were no birds to fly the walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand they wept like anything to see such quantities of sand if this were only cleared away they said it would be grand if seven maids with seven mops swept it for half a year do you suppose the walrus said that they could get it clear i doubt it said the carpenter and shed a bitter tear oh oysters come and walk with us the walrus did beseech a pleasant walk a pleasant talk along the briny beach we cannot do with more than four to give a hand to each the eldest oyster looked at him but not a word he said the eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed but four young oysters hurried up all eager for the treat their coats were brushed their faces washed their shoes were clean and neat and this was odd because you know they hadn't any feet four other oysters followed them and yet another four and thick and fast they came at last and more and more and more all hopping through the frothy waves and scrambling to the shore 
the walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so and then they rested on a rock conveniently low and all the little oysters stood and waited in a row the time has come the walrus said to talk of many things of shoes and ships and sealing wax of cabbages and kings and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings but wait a bit the oysters cried before we have our chat for some of us are out of breath and all of us are fat no hurry said the carpenter they thanked him much for that a loaf of bread the walrus said is what we chiefly need pepper and vinegar besides are very good indeed now if you're ready oysters dear we can begin to feed but not on us the oysters cried turning a little blue after such kindness that would be a dismal thing to do the night is fine the walrus said do you admire the view it was so kind of you to come and you are very nice the carpenter said nothing but cut us another slice i wish you were not quite so deaf i've had to ask you twice it seems a shame the walrus said to play them such a trick after we've brought them out so far and made them trot so quick the carpenter said nothing but the butter spread too thick i weep for you the walrus said i deeply sympathize with sobs and tears he sorted out those of the largest size holding his pocket-handkerchief before his dreaming eyes oh oysters said the carpenter you've had a pleasant run shall we be trotting home again but answer came there none and this was scarcely odd because they'd eaten every one End of part two